to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. couple three weeks I'm going to speak and I I know it sounds real aardvark but I'm going to speak on this Leanne Womack sung a song a long time ago and it went like this I hope you dance I hope you dance if you have a chance to sit it out or dance I hope you choose to dance and I'm going to talk about that tonight I'm going to talk about it next Wednesday night I'm going to speak on it because I believe with all my heart that I have found something in the Word of God that is incredible for us to look at. And my subject tonight, the first night, is that the Father will dance. The Father will dance. He will. So, as He does, so should we. I have a text tonight from Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, 1 Thessalonians In the message version, listen to what Paul says. One final word, friends. We ask you, urge is more like it, that you keep on doing what we told you to do to please God. Not in a dogged religious plod, but in a living, spirited dance. We urge you, We urge you that you keep on doing what we told you to do to please God. Not in a dogged religious plot, but in a living, spirited dance. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, I hope you dance. And you know it's not going to be shallow. You know I'm not going to talk shallow stuff like get out in the aisle and do it. No, no, no. I just think we ought to look at life not as a religious plod, but we ought to see life as a living spirited dance amen so i'm going to talk about that we're going to preach on that for the next few weeks and god's going to help us would you raise your hands and let's pray for my daughter and for brother and for brother uh uh, bob godwin and let's pray for the word dear father in the name of the lord you see cassidy tonight lord you see brother bob you understand god their upbringings their down settings you understand the pain that they have right now in their bodies god brother bob had back surgery and he needs help tonight lord Would you touch Cass? Would you touch our choir director tonight, one of our ministers in this church? Would you help her in the name of the Lord? Lord, thank you for a healthy baby. Thank you, God, because you're a God that answers prayer. Bless the word tonight as it goes forth. Let it go forth without any kind of opposition. Let it go forth and stand strong in the name of the Lord. For it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. We love you tonight in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen to that. And you may be seated. God bless. Clap your hands real big as you're seated tonight. God bless you. My message tonight to begin this is about reaching, reaching our goal, reaching our, our peak, reaching where God wants us to be. I look at every year as a season of life. I really, really do, and I know that every year has four seasons except in Austin. <laughs> There are not four seasons in Austin. We have summer, and then we have one day of fall, and then we're back to summer. But we want to build futures not only in our families. We want to build futures in our faith. We want to build futures in our friendships, and we want to build futures in our fellowships. Amen. Amen. There's There's a special song that states, He saw not what I was. My friend Dan Dean wrote this song. He saw what I could be. I'm glad that when the Lord saved us, he didn't leave us where he found us. I'm glad that he has changed us from glory to glory. I'm glad that we are better creatures now, five years past our conversion, five months this side of our conversion, than we were the day that the Lord discovered and found us. The scripture states, beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. 
One theologian stated it this way. It's not so much where we are particularly, but what we are becoming in our life. It's not what you are right now. It's what you are becoming in life. Many psychologists and psychiatrists are not talking about people's past as much as they are their future. Where do you want to be in three years? Where do you want to be in two years? And they backdrop from that and start talking to them about reaching the goals of tomorrow instead of getting over the, the, the guilt and the, and the shame of yesterday. What are my goals? What motivates me as a person? I am in a metamorphosis of change whether I like it or not. I am not the person I was yesterday. I am not the person I was last year. It's my decision whether I go forward or whether I go backwards. It really, really is. See, I know something, that the devil is against me and God is for me. So there's a split ballot. I cast the deciding vote in what I want to be in life. And God gives me that power of choice. How am I thinking now? How am I reacting to things now? What is my agenda? What is my motive? How do I view things? I've learned a few things in life. Robert Fulgham said everything he learned in life, he learned in kindergarten. I may have been a little older. But I have learned three great things, three great principles of life that I want to share with you. Number one, I have learned that God plus nothing equals everything. I'm going to say it again. God plus nothing equals everything. It doesn't matter what you add to God. He's still all in all. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the beginning. He's the ending. He's the first and the last. The second thing I've learned, that everything minus God equals nothing. Say amen to that. Everything minus God equals nothing. And the third thing I've learned is the devil cannot stop the miracle, but he will try to stop the celebration of the miracle. He cannot. He cannot stop the blind eyes from being opened. He cannot stop souls from being saved because Jesus paid the price at Calvary. He cannot stop healings from occurring in this church. He cannot stop the things that are God-ordained in this church. But he can stop things that are people-ordained in this church. And I want God to understand that when things happen around here, we're going to be proactive in our praise. We're going to be proactive in our thanksgiving. Because God Almighty has been better to us than we've been to ourselves. Amen. He's a great God to us right now. And I think without any, anything going any further, we ought to clap our hands and say, thank you, Lord, for being the kind of God that I love to come to the house of the Lord and worship because you are my God. And since the devil can't stop the God factor, he'll try to stop the rejoicing. And there should not be a happier place in all the world than the church. The church ought to be joy center. The church ought to be happy hour minus alcohol. The church ought to be a place where God Almighty just shows up and we just have the time of our life. We ought to kick up our heels like little rams on the hillside. The church should be Jacob's well. The church should be the revival at Carmel when the fire fell and the rain came. The church should be the deliverance at the Red Sea. The church should be the wedding at Cana all wrapped up in one. The church should be our chief joy. It should be our hope. It is our city of refuge. It is our safety. It is our river of life. The church ought to be the greatest, happiest, most glorious place in all the earth for us. I love the church. I've got a heart for the house here tonight. I love it. I love it. I love it. See, here's the thing. I want to say this. The mystery of potential is the thing that should drive the church. Everybody say mystery, mystery. of potential is the thing that should drive this church. What does it mean, Pastor? The next person we see changed could become the awesome leader that God wants in this world. The next young man that is saved could be another Apostle Paul in life. The next woman touched would be a world changer, a Mother Teresa, a Rosa Parks, a great Christian singer, a missionary. But we have to be charged with a mystery of potential. 
We don't ever need to come to church saying, well, it's just church. We need to come to church and say, it's church. It may be Wednesday night, but it's church. It may be a time when you're going through a crisis, but it's church. I love the story when Jesus healed the man with the withered hand. Can you imagine what his son went and told mama? Can you imagine what the preacher went and told his wife? Can you imagine what the man that got healed went and told everybody? He didn't expect to get a miracle that day at church because he had already sat down on his promise. The Lord had to tell him to stand up. But when the Lord comes to the house of the Lord, he comes because he inhabits the praise of his people. And there's something powerful happens in the house of God. This is not just church. This is church. It's church. And the mystery of potential that can happen here ought to get us excited every time we walk in those doors. Do I feel good in my body? No, I don't feel good. No, I don't. I've been loving too many babies. I've been staying up too late. I don't feel real good tonight, but oh, I'm excited about church. I've been excited about church. The second thing that we ought to understand is attitude comes before reputation. Great attitude equals great reputation. Nobody wants to hang around a sour head. Nobody wants to hang around somebody with the droopsy all the time, with the mully grubs all the time. You want to get somebody out of your life, start acting like a spoiled brat. They'll, they'll let you just be spoiled all to yourself. Amen? But everybody wants to be around somebody with a positive spirit. Everybody wants to be around somebody that's got an upbeat attitude. I've told this story before, but I want to bring it in in a different light. There's a fish market in Seattle, Washington that I visited years ago in Puget Sound called Pike's Place Fish Market. And the first thing that customers notice is that the employees at Pike's Place Fish Market are happy about what they're doing. They operate on this philosophy that if you come with a world-famous attitude, you will become world-famous. I was, I was in an eating place today. Uh, Randy and I had a, had a funeral today at a, at a, just at a cemetery, and we went to eat at this particular place that both of us liked because they got good sandwiches. And, and there was a man that walked by us, a man that had had a heart problem, and, 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 it, and it was an awesome thing for him to come to our table because he knows me, and he met Randy today, but he's known me for a long time. And he, he came back to our table a little bit later, and he said, Man, I want to tell you about a particular lady in your church. And he started talking about a nurse, an RN in this church that took care of him when he had a heart failure. He had a heart attack. He said, I've never met anybody quite like her in my life. He said, she tried to win me to God, and I was already won to God. I'm serving the Lord. And she tried to serve, make me serve the Lord at a greater potential. And he said, I've never met anybody with her happiness and her joy and her contentment in life. And said, she'd tell me every day, have you seen my pastor? And she'd show me pictures of her pastor. And it was you. I said, yo, yeah, I know who you're talking about. And said, once she had one of you and Pastor Fender from San Antonio, she said, these are the two favorite men in my life right here, right here, my pastor. And she said, he said, he said does everybody in that church like that? I said, no, but I wish everybody was. I wish everybody could come in this house and say, you know what? God is my God. This is my home. This is my life. This is where I get my soul fed because when you develop a great attitude, when you come with a world-famous attitude, you will become world-famous. I would love for this church to have an attitude that if you want joy in your soul, if you want happiness in your heart, you need to visit Christian Life Church just one time because I promise you, when you walk out of there, you're not going to be frowning. Oh, hallelujah. You're going to be smiling. You're going to be rejoicing because the joy of the Lord is really their strength there. There ought to be some church somewhere that's going to be happy. There ought to be a church somewhere that's going to be glad. Why don't we just let it be Christian Life Church? When a person stops or shops there, those people become trapped watching people. <clears throat> you buy fish because of the people, not because of the fish. 
A book was written called Fish a few years back about this place, and the three men that wrote it were Stephen London and Harry Paul and John Christensen. And these men said, it's in a philosophy that I, uh, I, wanted, I want to explain to this church, and I hope this church never loses the philosophy of Pike's Place Fish Market. If you have, please readopt the joy of the journey. I hope you dance. After all, the church is God's fish market. As the Queen of Sheba said about Solomon's servants, the thing that made her pass out was the fact that everybody in his servanthood was happy. She said, your servants are happy. You just got happy people around here. So we wouldn't be the first church being bragged on about having people with the joy of the journey in them. There's other churches that's been bragged on like this. Solomon's bunch got bragged on. She said, they're happy. And the second thing she said, they are worshiping people. Here's the key. Happy people do worship. Because when you worship, it makes you happy. And when you're happy, you worship. And when you worship, it makes you happy. I don't know which comes first, the chicken or the egg, but I know one thing. I do know that I'm happy to serve a God. And because I'm happy with that God, I'm going to worship that God. I'm going to dance a little bit because I'm not going to plod through life and be drugged to heaven. I'm going to get there with joy in my soul, unspeakable and full of glory. Clap your hands and rejoice in that tonight. So God's fish market should have happy worshiping people say amen. Amen. So Lonnie, the manager, states it this way. It's what is called the fish market philosophy. He said we do four things. Here they are. Number one, you've got to choose your attitude. Everybody say choose it. Every day attitude is a choice. It really is. Am I going to be mean today? Am I going to be clean today? (laughs) Am I going to be happy today? Am I going to be a bear today? Am I going to be a pouncing tiger today? Or I'm going to be a lap dog today? What am I going to be? When you get up in the morning, I believe the first 15 minutes of your morning, choose is what you're going to do the rest of the day. Some people let burnt toast run their whole day, and their whole day's burnt. Oh, my God, it's going to be a bad day. I burnt the toast. No, you didn't set the timer right. <laughs> Laugh it off and go on. You've got to choose your attitude. Life is about choices. Make a conscious choice to have the right kind of attitude before you ever walk out the door. You can turn people around instead of them turning you around. I, I, it used to bug me when I was a young preacher. Perhaps I showed things on my face worse than I do now because I don't walk through life unscathed. But I, but I, I used to have a lady that drove me crazy in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> I wasn't on the porch like I was, but I was always in the vestibule. And she'd say, she'd come up to me. And it was because she's having a bad day. I know that now. But, oh, she bugged me. She was smarter than I was then, and it bothered me. <laughs> and she'd come up, and, and she'd say, oh, having a bad day, huh? <laughs> what do you say about that? What do you say? What do you say? No, I'm not having a bad day. No, I'm not having a bad day. That still sounds menacing. Oh, having a bad day today, huh, are we? Uh-huh. I hate that line. I hate that line. Don't come up and say that to me now. I hate that line. Oh, having a bad day, are we? No. How do you get past that? Because they've already judged you, jurged you, and hung you. I like people to come up and say, hey, pastor, it's a great day, isn't it? I love that. You know, you've got two choices. You can either plod through life or you can dance. I want to dance because I understand that the father is going to dance. And if my father's going to dance, then I'm going to dance. I'm not going to let my father do something that I don't do. I'm going to enjoy every day. This is a day the Lord has made, and I'm going to enjoy it. I really, really am. I'm going to enjoy this day because it is God's day. The second thing they teach their people out there in Pike's Place is play. Make life fun. Make it fun. They say come to work with a 
world-famous spirit. Laugh, enjoy, play, live, 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 live. They keep saying that word. Get caught up in living, not just life. Get caught up in living. You got to live, play, make it fun. Then they say you got to engage the audience. This show is not about you. It's about the people, the customer, the buyer. Let me say something. There's people that come into our church all the time that's checking us out. And you don't have to be a hypocrite. When the joy of the Lord's in your heart, you don't have to act like it's there. It's there. And when they walk in the doors of this church, I'm teaching you something right now. You need to to hang up your hang-ups and pull down your harps and start singing a song. You don't need to hang up your harps on the willows. You need to hang up your hang-ups and pull down your harp and start singing a song. This is the house of the Lord. This is the place of God. This is God's fish market here right now. And I want people to walk in here and say, wow, something different is in that house. And here's what I believe happens. There's a fresh anointing that God wants to give us for the fall. There's a fall anointing that God wants to put on this church. And I'm praying in the next two and a half, three weeks that that fall anointing will fall on us. That we'll get past the summer and all the summer calamities. And we'll get past all the bad stuff that happened in our yesterday. And say, this is a new day. And I'm going to have a new anointing. And I'm going to have a new touch with God. I'm going to have a new joy. I'm going to have a new contentment. I'm going to have something new. Because His mercies are new every morning. Every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. you got to engage the audience. It's not about you. It's about people. And then he said, be present. you got to be present. In other words, engage the customer, not one another. When you engage the customer, don't let your body language be walking away. You know what, folks? Church is not about just preaching doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. Church is about seeing folks saved. Church is about seeing folks healed. Church is about seeing folks delivered. Amen? And church is about fellowship and friendship and Loving God and caring for one another, bearing one another's burdens. I think we ought to stop and give God a hand clap right now just for the word of the Lord. So in the book Fish, there's a story about a couple, a man named Dan and his wife, Mary Jane. Dan worked at a place called Micro Rule, and Mary Jane worked at First Guarantee Financial. She worked on the third floor, and the floor that did not enjoy their work There were phones that would not get answered. There were work forms that would be placed under clutter so they wouldn't have to look at them. There were letters and cards and calls that went unanswered. And no energy. There was less drive. No one cared. It was a cemetery. And I can't stand church to be a cemetery. God did not mean for us to plod through life. He wants us to dance. Amen. Mary Jane's boss called her floor, the third floor, the toxic energy dump. And as the story progresses, Dan, the husband, dies. Mary Jane sees life as mundane and unfulfilling, and she felt something needed to happen, not only to guarantee financial, but to her life as well. So she decided one day to take a walk, went down First Street. She had always avoided public markets, felt they were too pricey, not enough goods for the, for the money. And, and she walked down to Pike's place. She heard laughter. She almost turned away. She was not in the mood for laughter. She didn't want laughter. Then she heard someone say, good morning, yogurt dudes. And when she looked, she was amazed at what she saw. One man was catching a flying fish behind his back. She heard someone say, this salmon is headed for Portland and tossed it. Then one kid was juggling crabs. One was making a fish smile for a lad. One was talking about fish history. There was an AARP couple that was getting questions answered by a very young man. Everybody was happy, not just a few, everybody. And I promise you, when I went into the Pike Space Fish Market in 2009, I walked out buying everything I could buy and ship home. I didn't go in there to buy anything, but the attitude, the atmosphere got a hold of me. And by the time I walked out of there, I was broke, dog broke. I'd went up there to preach a a, a conference, a camp, and I spent everything they gave me also. Because I went in saying, I'm just going to go in and check it out, not interested in buying anything. I bought everything I could buy. I I bought shrimp as big as my hand. And I got witnesses in this house. If you don't believe me, just ask my witnesses. Jeff Fluitt had to cook them for me. We had to butterfly them things two or three different ways because they're as big as my hand. I wanted, I wanted to catch every salmon that was thrown. I wanted to catch every trout that was thrown. It was the most exciting thing, every redfish that came across. I said, I want that one. And, and, and I realized that I couldn't take it all because I didn't have enough money. I don't take money on trips. I take a few credit cards, and I can see my wife saying, what in the Sam Hill did you do? But I can be that way. 
a guy came by one day in a truck down through Circle C, and, and he, had a, he had a meat truck, and he would give me a poor story. It was at Christmas time, and he said, I hadn't sold anything, and my family won't have any Christmas. And I said, what you got on that truck? He said, I got some great stuff. I bought the whole truck. <laughs> I bought the whole truck. See, sympathy makes me do stuff like that. But it wasn't sympathy at Pike's Place Market House. It wasn't, it wasn't sympathy at Pike's Place Fish Market. It was the fact that I got enthralled with people. I'm here to tell you something. A church's atmosphere and attitude can change the mind of people walking in this door. And God has got too many plodding churches in this world. We need some churches that will dance. We need some churches that will rejoice. We need some churches that will praise the Lord. We need some Wednesday nights that will get out of hand. We need some Holy Ghost revival that will fall. We need some healings in the house. We need to dance. We need to dance. And according to management, that's the way it should be at the fish market. Just a place of joy, laughter, fun, celebration. This was the day. When Lonnie, the fish philosopher manager, met Mary Jane, the toxic energy dump woman. She had come to get some help with the mindset of her office and had heard of Pike's Place Fish Market, and he was more than happy to accommodate her. And when she learned that Lonnie was more than a fish philosopher, he really cared about people, and he really cared about Mary Jane, and he told her that the fish market had not always been this way. His wife had left him. He decided, I can stop living or I can start living, and he chose the latter, and the rest is history. And the fish market has become world famous. Seems that I read about another husband in this book right here that was divorced by his wife. They were called the Jews. And he decided to make a choice. Do I stop living or do I start living? And the choice included me. I'm a part of this thing because somebody walked out on him. And in time, romance blossomed. And Lonnie asked Mary Jane, will you marry me? And he pulled a ring out of a fish's mouth to be engaged to her. She said, I will as long as you play and play the rest of our marriage. In other words, I want you to be happy. I want you to keep celebrating. You see, folks, people are looking for a church that is not plodding through life and just going through the mundane motions of some kind of ritual. People are looking for a place where they can put their hands together. People are looking for a church where they can come in and magnify the Lord with all their heart. People are looking for a place where they can be touched by the hand of the Lord. They're looking for friendship that's pure. They're looking for fellowship that's real. They're looking for somebody that cares enough about them to include them in their life. Can I preach to you right now? Come on. Somebody, let's dance. Come on, let's dance. Let's dance. Let's let this church dance. Let's dance. Let's dance. When Jesus did something of significance, he celebrated. Some people think he was a stoic. He wasn't a stoic. In Luke chapter 10, verse 21, he danced in circles. The Bible said he agalehoed. He leaped for joy because the disciples understood that their names were written in the Lamb's book of life. He said, don't rejoice because demons are subject to me. Rejoice because your name is written. In the Lamb's book of life. And he leaped for joy. Hallelujah. And spun in circles. Magnifying. Jesus was not a plotter. He was a dancer. In John 9. When a blind man was healed. That the disciples said. Who sinned here his parents. And he said neither. But that the glory of God should be revealed. And they couldn't, he could not find anyone to celebrate with him. Not parents. Not neighbors. Not the religious. Not his own people. He came back to the healer. He came back to Jesus, and Jesus celebrated with him. Because Jesus always loves celebratory situations. He healed him and celebrated. When he turned water to wine in John, John 2, he did it because he loved happiness so much. One writer said, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. That ought to make you all joyful here tonight. That ought to make you all delighted here tonight. Not that he's done something for you. Not that he's healed you, saved you. But his, your God is the Lord. That ought to make you happy tonight. Why don't you relax and put a smile on your face and say, I'm going to get a brand new anointing. I'm going to get joy in my soul 
in the fall of this year and I'm going to quit plodding through life. I'm going to look forward to getting out of the car. I'm going to look forward to Sunday morning. I'm going to look forward to the things that God has for our church. I'm going to come thrilled at being in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, you got the old pastor tonight. Luke 15 tells the story of a prodigal son. He left home seeking whatever and he found nothing. When he spent his life in riotous living, he lost it all. Moved in with the hogs. Woke up one morning and said to himself, I will arise and go to my father. What a statement. Everybody say, I will arise and go to my father. Notice he did not say, I'll go to my father's house. He didn't say that. I will go to my father. Because he wasn't sure the house was going to receive him. I do not want the father to receive someone that I reject. If it's good enough for the father to save, it's good enough for me to receive. And not every church feels this way because there's a lot of churches that are pole fishing. And they're reaching this one and that one. And they're really not trying to change people. They're just trying to proselyte people from one place to another. This church, main mission is to see God transform lives from lost to found, from blind to seeing, from, from, from non-healed to being healed. Amen? Boy, I feel this right now. The father saw him a long, long way off, and he ran to him. He embraced him. He kissed him. And after the father embraced him, after he kissed him, he turned to the house and said to the house, I want the best robe. I want him to be restored. I want him to be forgiven. I want him to be released. I want, I want mercy and grace on him. I want a ring of authority. I want him to have his authority back. And I want shoes. He's not lost anymore. He's found. He has identity. And shoes represented identity. I want the best robe. I want a ring. I want shoes. The house has to put the things on him, not the father. If they're going to learn how to dance, the father is not going to teach them how. If they're going to learn the joy of the Lord in this house, they're going to learn by osmosis. It's up to the house to determine if they will stay or leave. I want us to be so excited about every baptism. I want this church to be so excited about everybody that gets saved. I want this church to be so excited about everybody that gets healed. That we'll get on our feet, we'll clap our hands, and we'll rejoice. And when they come out of the water, we'll hug them. When they come out of the, receiving the Holy Ghost, we'll shout with them. When they come out of being healed, we'll rejoice with them. That's what I want God to put on us this fall. A fall anointing of joy unspeakable. Amen. Oh, I didn't mean to preach this hard tonight. When Lazarus was called from the grave in John 11, the house had to loose him and let him go. Some things Jesus will not do. So it's easy to see a problem arising here at the prodigal father's house. All things the prodigal had done, it'd be easy to criticize and say, he'll never last, he'll never stay, he won't be around six months. But here's my fall 2013 statement of consequence to this church. We have to quit being past-possessed. We must be future-focused. Oh, I remember that old boy. I remember him. Oh, God. He was a terror when he was a kid. I remember him. God, he'll never make anything for God. Really? Really, really. Let me tell you something. There's people going to run by us on the way to heaven that we've already judged that it's going to go to hell. And they're going to run by us so excited because Jesus saved them. I raised with an old boy out in West Texas named Clifford Arms. We called him Boogie. And Boogie scared me. Because Boogie would just hit somebody for no reason at all. 
I've seen him start fights for no reason. Just walk up and just say, you know, I feel like hitting you today. Bam, his own. And he always come up and looked at me. I thought, oh, God, here it comes. He's fixing to knock me out. And I would brace. And I, he, if he could only feel the tension beneath these garments. Oh, he'd have hit me so many times. But he walked up and he'd look at me. Say, I like you, Rex. He'd walk away. Thank you, Boogie. Thank you. Thank you, Boogie. Tough. He would fight. He'd fight for 30 minutes and come back and fight some more. I've seen him on the ground. He, he was the first octagon fighter, really, the, of consequence that I ever saw. He was MMA all the way before we ever knew what those words meant. He just start fights. He just start fights. And I told my dad and my mom one day, I said, there's a guy at school going straight to hell. <laughs> Boogie Arms is headed for the pits. He's the meanest guy I've ever seen in my life. He's just mean. He's mean. He just wants to fight everybody. And I saw, I saw one day, I saw, I saw a guy reach down to get his stuff out of a bottom locker, and his head was up too high, and Boogie's, Boogie's locker was ahead of his, and he just opened his locker and slammed his head and knocked him out. And I reached to help the guy, and he said, leave him alone, leave him alone. You don't want my business. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll. Good Samaritan ain't welcome here. So. That boy's headed to hell. He's going straight to the pit. One day I got a phone call. My daddy called. Said, son, guess who's been coming to our church? Leveland, Texas. I said, who, daddy? Little old church, about 50 people. He said, son, Clifford Arms and his wife's been coming to our church. I said, you're kidding. He's going to rob you, daddy. He's going to rob you. <laughs> He's going to steal from you. Daddy, he's no good. That boy is no good, Daddy. He's no good, Daddy. He'll hit you. He'll just hit you. <laughs> he said, oh, son, he's a little old, he little old shrunk up thing. He's lost a lot of weight. He can't even reach me. I'm too tall. He couldn't hit me if he even tried. I said, Daddy, he's bad. He's bad. He said, son, he's coming to church. About two weeks later, he called and said, son, guess who got baptized tonight? He said, Clifford Arms. Daddy never called him Boogie. He said, Clifford Arms got baptized. I said, really? You're really telling me that, Dad? He really got baptized. He got baptized, son. And I said, well, what's he acting like? He said, son, he cries all the time. He sits on the front row. said he loves God with all his heart. I've never seen anybody be transformed like this young man's transformed said he was a total alcoholic. He was hooked on drugs and said, God's taken those all out of his system. said, son, he's a different boy. My daddy was just preaching to me. Clifford Arms, son, has been changed. And a few weeks later, he called. He said, son, Clifford Arms got the Holy Ghost tonight. Daddy, daddy. Oh, we got to quit being past possessed. We must be future focused. Because God's got something great planned for everybody that walks in this church. Oh, I believe that with all my heart. I got to quit. I got to quit. The church cannot go forward being past possessed. We must be future focused. He saw not what I was. He saw what I could be. And the servants got to eat the same calf that had been saved for the son. The servants, anybody that's able to provide the restoration can eat the calf that's provided for the prodigal. Same joy, same celebration. I'll never forget when I met Boogie Clifford. I went out to Leveland to preach my old home church. and He came up to me and I thought, oh God, don't let him hit me. He's full. He's saved. Full of the Holy Ghost. He walked up to me and gave me a big old hug, and he said, you know why I never hit you? And I said, no, <laughs> no. He said, well, first of all, I liked you. He said, second of all, he said, I just didn't want to mess up your pretty face because it always had a smile on it. 
and your face was different than everybody else's face. I said, thank you, Boogie. I'm smiling now, too. How you doing? <laughs> Good to see you. He didn't mean I was pretty. He just liked my smile. It does not matter how many times the prodigals run away. When they come home, we've got the blessing that they get if we're in the house of restoration. Don't leave. Don't leave, folks, while people are in the altar. Nothing's more important than what happens at this altar. Lunch can wait five more minutes. The second statement of this fall is this. We must release the prodigals to become what God wants them to be, not what we think they ought to be. It doesn't take 30 years or it doesn't take six months to put him back in his rightful place. We must learn to celebrate with the restored. Baptism needs to be a celebration. Salvation needs to be a celebration. Holy Ghost and fillings need to be a celebration. Oh, God. Let this church be a celebration station this fall. And if daddy is in the house dancing, don't let me try to stop the celebration. But in this story, when the father was in the house dancing, the elder brother was outside fussing. And when he drew near to the house, he heard the music and the dancing. And he called one of the servants. He said, what, what, what are the, what's going on in there? And the servant answered, your brother has come and your father has killed a fatted calf. And he was angry and wouldn't go in. And because the elder brother would not go in, daddy had to leave the house of celebration to entreat him. And this is where a lot of churches are. There's a celebration that needs to happen in the house of God. And the father is having to entreat someone because they cannot be happy about what's going on in the father's house. The elder brother said, Lo, these many years I've served you. You've never given me a calf. And the father said, All that I have has always been with you. I just want to be honest this afternoon, this evening. We have had cancers healed in this house. I want to be honest with you. There's remission going on right now in some people's lives. We've had heart problems in this house that are no longer problems. We've had people delivered from drugs in this house that came to this church for a long time and God just delivered you one day. We've had folks delivered from drinking completely in this house because God does great things in this house. Amen. I do not want to indict anybody in this church, but some of us need to get happy about what God has done in this house. There are young men that's going to get their calling in this house. There's young men that will preach the gospel someday. That will never depart and be a prodigal. And it's happening in this house. There's a lot of things to get excited over in the house. The keeping power of God is just as great as the saving power of God. And if your kids come to church and they work with you and they, they love to be in the house of God, you ought to rejoice every time you walk in the door because your kids are here. They don't have to be prodigals for us to get excited. we got great things going on in the house all the time. So I made up my mind in the fall of 2013, I'll not let the father dance alone. I'll be beside him as a dancing partner. My wife likes a TV show. I, I, don't, I don't watch it. It's called Dancing with the Stars. I hope my wife is not seeing some good-looking man on there or something. She always brags on the ladies that can dance, but, you know, there's some good-looking guys on there, too, because I walk by. I check it out. On my way to see the Rangers get beat, on my way to see the Dallas Cowboys get hammered. I used to think that was the only good thing on TV. There's not anything good on TV anymore. Because the Longhorns are getting beat, the Cowboys are getting beat, the Rangers got beat. I'm just sick of getting beat. The place that wins, though, is the house of God. And I will. I want you to say it with me now. I will not, I will not be, an be an antagonist. I will, I will dance, dance with the Father. With the Father. Yeah. I'm going to dance with him. If he tells me that I need to celebrate, I'm going to celebrate. Church is a celebration. Church is a celebration. And, and you know what? As long as I've been pastor here, this church has been wonderful. It's been decent. It's been in order. But I think the joy of the Lord just ought to flow through the house. 
I think when we get out of here tonight, I think we ought to walk out here with just joy in our hearts. Hey, folks, there's so much fear going on in the world right now. With the shutdown of our government, there's so much stuff going on out yonder right now. You need a house of God where you can walk in and say, you know what? I feel the joy of the Lord in my soul in this house. And you need to just want to be here. You want to be here. I had an old boy, I had an old boy find Jesus one night. Got the Holy Ghost right over here. He was an old rock and roller. And he said, can I spend the night here tonight, Pastor? And I said, well, no, that's really not what the church is for to spend the night in. It's not a hotel. He said, oh, I got a place to live. He said, but it don't feel like this. And I said, what do you mean? He said, sir, the last 30 minutes has been the most exciting I've ever felt. And he said, I've been to some of the greatest rock concerts and I've been to some of the greatest things in this world. And I've never felt what I felt the last 30 minutes in this church. Can I just spend the night right here? He wants to spend that right there, right there. He said, I got my bag. I got my cot in the car. I can just, I can set it up. I'll be out in the morning. And I was almost, I was almost persuaded to let him stay. And I said, you'll start something. And I said, listen, let me tell you, you can take this joy home with you. You can take it home with you. He said, when's the next service? I said, soon. He said, it's not soon enough. I said, it'll be around. And he came back and he, he's in that same seat. He came up to me the next time. He said, you sure? You sure you won't let me stay here? I said, I can't, I can't do that, man. I said, they'd run me off. He said, they ain't going to run you off. They like you. But if I let you spend the night here, you get all your buddies in here. I know how that works. So nobody can spend the night here tonight, okay? That's the rule. But isn't it great to come here for about an hour on Wednesday night? Isn't it great? Isn't it great? So I hope you dance. I really do. I hope you dance. I hope you dance. Next Wednesday night, Leon, Leanne's going to sing a little bit of that song. I hope you dance. Because we're going to get into this even deeper. It's not about a physical expression. It's about a spiritual walk. It's not about just dragging yourself through life and just barely getting there. It's understanding that I can be a content, happy child of God. I can look at my issues and say my issues are not over me. They're under me. And God is for me, and if God's for me, who can be against me? Amen. 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 I closed tonight, but I got, I got to tell you this story. When I held my little granddaughter for the first time Monday, please forgive me because it's going to break me up. When I held her. I flash back 29 years to when I held her mother. And it was just like that. And little old Caroline has these little markings. You know, they'll go away. There's little markings on her face, little red places on her face. Cass had one right here. Looked like the Antichrist had marked her. 666. Okay, one right here. And when she cried, it would just it would just red up. Caroline hadn't cried yet. We don't know. She cried a little bit when she was first born, but what was so precious? Didn't happen to anybody else. Just me. But when I held her, I sat down and they took some pictures and I sat down. And I started to try to sing, sweet Caroline. I started to try to sing that. And I, I didn't get past sweet. I got to cry. And when I first talked to her, I promise you, she opened her little eyes, just squinted them. First time she opened them. Because she recognized my voice. Because her mama didn't miss church. And she's heard this voice. She's heard it quiet. She's heard it loud. She's heard it. And she's heard other voices, but those other voices were 
always intermingled with other voices. I was visiting or something, but when I preached, she heard my voice. And I thought, when the Lord picks us up and holds us, and we hear his voice, it is the happiest moment that we could ever have in our life. Caroline, now the family's laughing at me about it, but it's okay. They'll, they'll, they'll come to an understanding later. It doesn't matter if they understand now or not because I have meat to eat they know not of. They don't understand where I am with that daughter right now, that granddaughter. But she's, she, she, she looked at me, just squinted it. In a sweet repose, just letting me talk to her. And I looked over at Patty and I said, Patty, she knows my voice. I love, I love to know his voice. I love to know that he talked to us tonight and said, you know what? I want you to dance through life. I don't want you to plod through life. I want you to dance. I just, I want you to have a good time in life. I want you to enjoy me. Don't let living for me be a drudgery. Don't let living for me be a, a downer. Love living for me. Love living for me. Love it. If you're going to do it, love it. Come on, clap your hands. If you're going to do it, love it. Open your eyes and love him and love him and say, I love what you are. Stand up all over the house. Let's clap our hands right now. Come on. The father's going to dance. The father will dance. He will dance. He will dance. He will dance. He will dance. Hallelujah. The Bible said, for the, joy, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Folks, joy and contentment and happiness and dancing through life got him through Calvary. As a man, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I preached way too long, but y'all didn't let me preach for a whole week. But it's still before quitting time. Join somebody by the hand there. Lift that hand upward and step out in an aisle with them and join across the place. And let's just thank the Lord. Let's just thank the Lord for the joy and the journey right now. Let's do it all over the house. Come on, open your mouth and let's praise him. Thank you for the joy. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.